Hello and welcome to the wonderful time of life where people get really excited about dudes running around in underwear. I am Adam Lefko. This is Chris Sims. The Combine defensive backs are going on right now. We got to watch some of the 40s a little bit earlier. This is a very deep defensive back crop, but we want to go over the last few days, some of the guys that impressed us, yep. and also talk about some of the biases that are out there and how we can break them. Sims is in the, um, I would say, actually blessed situation where you, you haven't watched too much. So you're not obsessed with any of these kids no, yet. No, you're I'm very not. clean slate. I am. It's and this is the on. time of the year where you see Mayock defending guys that he put number one, like right. a Deshaun Kaiser. Right. Or it's just a natural thing. Scouts get obsessed with certain guys, and whereas they can't you're get just it. unbiased. Well, just evaluate it. I mean, yes. People get a value. You know, they they let a coach or a GM or somebody get in their ear, and you go, no, just watch the film and evaluate the player. Stop mm. letting everybody else influence you. Andy Diagostino saying UConn Obi, yeah. man. What? That's That's another UConn defensive back that is killing it. We'll get to defensive backs in a little bit. But we wanted to start start off, Turk, just combine takeaways, the top performers. And I think the story of the weekend was 4-2-2. It was John Ross. It was Washington. Sure. Just because the 40 is something. The the combine, there's a lot of events. But the 40 is the event that wins the hearts and minds of the fans. John Ross ran a 4-2-2. Uh, his highlight package uh, is pretty amazing as well. But yeah. when you see well, – other than that, I mean, what, what did you think of him? Just what do you think of him well, so far? Yeah, I, I have like I haven't even got into the wide receivers as far as breaking them down, really. But I mean, the one thing I saw enough of the final four games throughout the year in college football, yeah, uh, legitimate explosion. I mean, I, I don't, I can't say I was expecting him to break Chris Johnson's record, but anybody I talked to in the NFL world and what you saw just on TV last year, I thought he'd be low four three, that four two ish yeah. type of guy. Um, to me, uh, you know, he's along those lines of a Percy Harvin type. Mm. Again, uh, he can do a lot of things. He's a better version of a Philip Dorsett who came out a few years. Right. If you want to take that kind of guy, just more natural to position. He's a pretty good route runner from what I've seen. So I'll, I'll be excited to break him down along with other guys. The other, the other thing that I think gets overshadowed just because of him. And I think this is the guy that needs to be talked about as well is the Curtis Samuel kid from Ohio State. I mean, listen, these guys are what, like, oh, we don't have positions for them. No, the guy that doesn't have a position has a position in the NFL now. Have you heard of Tyree Kill? Yeah, it's those guys have a valid Jamison Crowder? Right. J- oh, I mean, Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be the same kind of guy. These guys could be the same thing. Oh, it's it's second and seven? We can put you a tailback and maybe throw you a toss sweep. Oh, it's third and four? We can put you at slot receiver and you I can do that. I think the one thing the combine is really good for is when someone tests as well as Curtis Samuel did yeah. or showed the explosion of a Christian McCaffrey and was actually way a little bit more than we thought. Right. There's always the debate of whether a guy is a tweener or versatile. That's always the issue. Yeah. But when a guy tests really well, like Jabril Peppers, which we're having some people asked about now, Max Prevost, thoughts on Jabril Peppers. Yeah. Um, when a guy tests really well, I think that's when he becomes more versatile than tweener. Right. It's when a small defensive end is is kind of fast that we go, oh, you know, he's, he's a tweener. It's the guys that maybe don't test that well when they don't have 
have that athleticism. Now I don't think you're versatile. Now I think you're a tweener. Yeah, right. I think that's a very good way to put it. I mean, uh, listen, I, I, there are some tweeners in this draft, and we'll get into that in a minute as far as defense, some of like the defense ends linebackers yes. groups. I think there's some guys there that uh, they certainly would have some red flags, at least for me, sure. as far as what they're being asked. But regardless, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Those guys are special athletes. I don't care if they don't have a certain position. Uh, I, they're going to find a play, a place or yeah. a way to get them the ball it's on like the field. It's like Tyron Matthew. You know, you get these guys that are freak athletes. Like David Sutherland, right? And Christian McCaffrey looks like a wide receiver at running back. I mean, how many times do we need to talk about how that's so important mm-hmm. in the game right now? Yeah. And a team like the Patriots or now the 49ers with Shanahan can line him up in the backfield yeah. and then go – and he splits out wide, and mm-hmm. now he's man a man with Darren Lee. Right. Let's go. Right. Um, the, the other guy that I think we can all say holy crap to, Miles Garrett. Well, I mean, come on. We knew that was before he even get, yeah, got in really there. Yeah, but it's really nice to see the numbers match right. Right, exactly right. I mean, uh, yeah, he's a freak show. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really need to see him work out. It was really just about a, like how much of a – Freak show is he? I mean, yes. I knew it. I knew it was Julius Peppers, Jadeveon Clowney type talent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just think first of all, the first thing that jumps out to you is his physique. I mean, he's got unreal shoulders. He's got that unreal v. arm, right? He's got great looking legs. Does he have the legs and butt? That he Chris definitely Sims needs? has the legs and butt. Yes. I mean, you know, as compared to like, let's say a Tim Williams for Alabama, sure. right? I look at a guy like that. Yeah, he looks good on film. When I've seen a little bit of crossover, I haven't dove into those guys yet, and I. I know he was great when I watched him on TV, explosive coming off the edge, but that body would scare the crap out of me. I'm yeah. not touching him. He's Barcavius Mingo, written all over him. Tiny Narrow base. hips, mm. just doesn't look like he's going to be man enough, strong enough to be consistently yeah. a 4-3 defensive end type. Might just only have to be a pass rush specialist. I emailed you. But Garrett and, was unreal. Sorry. I emailed you and producer Canvasser last night comparing Miles Garrett to Jadavian Clowney, Khalil Mack, and Mario Williams right. because he was the first guy to run that fast at that weight. He is an inch smaller than Clowney, two inches taller than Garrett. He weighs more than Clowney. Uh, He weighs 20 pounds more than Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett does. He has longer arms by a full inch than Clowney, two inches longer than Khalil Mack. He ran a 4.64 with a 1.63 split. Now, Clowney running a a 4.53 at at 266 is insane. But he was uh, he was faster than Khalil Mack and yeah. 20 pounds more than Khalil Mack. Yeah. And then he jumped a 41-inch vertical. Khalil Mack jumped a 40. Mm-hmm. Jadavian Clowney jumped a 37 and a half. And he had the longest broad. And he did the most benches other than anyone. That more. He's the perfect mix of all of these guys. I think that's what the really probably the most impressive thing to me, really, uh, when it's all said and done, is probably the vert and the bench. Yes. To have that kind of arm length and be able to do 33 reps. To have the uh, longest arms yes. and do the most bench that for is, anyone that benches, not me. Right. But it's one of those things where if your arms are long, you're supposed to do less reps. Yes. It's incredible. It, it's a freak show. It really is. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's phenomenal. I'm really excited to watch him. I think the defensive end conversation is interesting in general altogether uh, because clearly, I mean, listen, uh, maybe maybe Cleveland will listen to a homeless guy in the street and mess this up and not get Garrett. <laughs> but hopefully they know that they're drafting Garrett at this point. But the, really the interesting thing, the, getting to my point is 
I, I'm going to be interested to see who's the second guy. Who's the second? Mm. Who's the second best pass rusher well, in this everyone, draft? Okay. I mean, between Taco Char, uh, Charlton, the kid Barnett from Tennessee. I mean, the Stanford kid. Yes. Uh, I think that's where I'm interested to dive Solomon in. Thomas. Is just to see exactly how these yes. guys rank and when I would. Drew Ambrose are saying Solomon Thomas is he Aaron Donald? The first thing I did today, I went to Connor and I said, "Didn't that Solomon Thomas kid tear up the three cone? He did. Yes. Three cone is one of the things that I really care about with defensive linemen, the ability to change direction." Sure. And that has correlated with someone like Aaron Donald mm-hmm. to be that good. Yep. Uh, Drew Ambroster also saying T.J. Watt, that's my guy. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is a dangerous of, look, we, we always overhype someone that has the last name Watt and going to be related to J.J. Yeah, but I think this kid's a player. I do think that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and listen, uh, again, I'm at the very early stages, so I'm not going to sit here and, like, BS you, audience, and change my mock draft nine times before March 15th, uh, even though I'm supposed to be a draft expert. Uh, as I crack away through these, I will let you know my honest opinions. If you know me and Lefko, uh, we usually keep it real 100% of the time. So yeah, we're not looking uh, for page views. But I'm at the early stages of all this. So, you know, I, I've been into free agency. I'm really just starting to – I've really just got through the quarterbacks yes. this weekend. Well, then let's, let's go to that. Down. Yeah. Uh, first one, the guy that I thought was the most physically impressive, just body-wise, and it was the guy that was the sleeper number one quarterback for a while was Trubisky. Right. Uh, I'm just curious. We only have one year of game film on this kid. Yeah. Just the way that he threw and the drills this weekend. What do you think of his throwing motion? What do you think of him as a player? Yeah. Well, and listen, I'll even go into. I broke. I so the the big. Let's say the big six, right? The big six quarterbacks. You go Trubisky, Kaiser, uh, Kaiser, Watson, Watson, Mahomes, Mahomes, Webb, and then I put Peterman. Uh, uh, the Peterman kid from, from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Webb from Cal. Right. Exactly. Okay. Right. So let's just Peterman. say those are the big six. All right. Um, Trubisky. Trubisky is the best one in the draft, in my opinion. If you just taken film from last year. What have I evaluated? I watched a ton of film on Thursday and Friday uh, of all of these guys where I broke down games, POAs, all of it. Trubisky's the most consistent thrower of the group. Uh, he can throw it from all different kind of arm angles, maybe not quite as many as like a Mahomes. Yes. Uh, but his feet can be all awkward. He's got a great natural throwing motion, extremely quick release. And when he wants to throw with power, uh, he doesn't lose control of the ball. So really, the most consistently accurate, pretty good decision maker, to me, he is the guy. Now, the things that, that, I, that concern me are going to be tough for somebody like me to evaluate because I would like to meet the man. What the heck took so long to be the starter at North North Carolina, mm-hmm. yeah, you've only played 13 games, so you don't have great experience. But my early esti- guesstimation, sure. I mean, this guy is the perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan, the San Francisco 49ers. I haven't talked to Kyle since before the Super Bowl, yeah. but his skill set fits exactly what when they want to do. you watch him, is the offense something that helps him transition to the pros? Yeah, listen, they do a little everything. A lot of these offenses are handicapped as far yeah. as, yes. Uh, but so he's your big athlete, question is, how can, did he do in the meeting room? Right. How did he do? Just gotcha. what kind of guy is he? It was a weird situation, too, in North Carolina. I forget the kid that was playing there before him. Uh, but they were trying to run the quarterback and run that time of offense. And the kid before him was a Marquise talented runner. Marquise Williams. Marquise Williams, exactly right. He was a talented runner, so it wasn't like it was just some slappy that they threw out there yes. in front of Trubisky. It kind of fit what they were trying to do as a team. One storyline that's been interesting to watch with all this combine stuff is people realizing that Deshaun Watson's good. 
Uh, Which is a crazy concept. Yeah, right. But this is what I call the Heisman theory. Right. When do you ever see the Heisman favorite before the year win the Heisman? <laughs> it's because we all we do is poke and prod the guy that's the number one. Right. And we love to elevate the surprise midway through the year. Right. Deshaun Watson has been someone we've been talking about now for a few years. Yep. He's someone that in monster games tears up the best defense in college football in Alabama. He goes out there and runs a 4-6-6 with a 32 two and a half 40 and a 911 broad you see that he's super athletic i think when he threw the ball he looked really accurate on the short passing yep. game that is my very unintelligent no, you're, you're but what did you see when you were throwing when he was throwing the ball yeah uh, listen you got a good feel for these guys so don't be ashamed to say your opinion i mean the, uh, the, the the legitimate thing i think with deshaun watson when i watch him he is a natural thrower of the football so you're exactly right i mean Throwing out routes, slant routes. He can do it whether his feet are in good position, yeah. not in good position. Uh, the question marks about Deshaun Watson are going to be what? Clemson's offense, and they really he only throws about three routes his whole career. He's throwing a fade route, a slant route, and the back shoulder fade gotcha. his whole career. So you don't get to see a lot of, like, let's get off the first progression mm. and let's get to the second and third. And if you listen to people, that's where he has struggled or maybe even at times been inconsistent throwing the football. Have you seen Trubisky do different route tree and all yeah, that it's stuff? Like Trubisky, that's where I think Trubisky is an edge in a lot of these guys. Where it's again, it's not the greatest route tree you're going to see in yeah. football, but they still do enough. And where I like Trubisky, he gets a little advantage over a Watson. Just keep on this cut. Is you know he might look out here. Oh, I don't like it. Regather right over the middle, gotcha. throw an accurate ball. You see it. I see it. So where do you then Watson take... does that at times? Yeah. But he's not always accurate with the football. So mm. he can come here and then he might not get his feet in position because he's a naturally gifted guy too. So he'll just flick it gotcha. or the ball will be Mahomes a little bit over. Mahomes will do it as well. So with Watson, if you were an evaluator, are you going to learn that by bringing him to the board? Uh, Yeah, I I think you're just going to know. You're going to have to... Again, with the Watson, your concerns are when you work him out, you're just going to go, let me see him throw in person. Let me go through some routes where we act like we're looking at number one, and then he's got to switch to the other side of the field and get to number two and number mm. three. I have no questions about Deshaun Watson, really. I really don't know. I think he's Do just you? a little raw, and the offense he was in is raw. Higher ceiling, Deshaun Watson or um, Trubisky? Oof. I, really, at the ultimate, probably Deshaun Watson. Gotcha. Yes, at the ultimate ceiling. Mm. Uh, yeah, Watson is impressive when I look at him. And some of the things I wrote in my notes as I sat there. I mean, first of all, uh, the bigger the game, the bigger the moment, the better the throw. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, there's honestly, there's times in there's certain games. There is. Well, there's certain games where, you know, oh, we're up by 10, we're Clemson, and the guy's open, and we just throw it nice and easy. And yet, oh, no, it's Alabama, and he's tightly covered, and mm. I have to put it right here. Then he gets into it and throws it, and, man, it's right on the money. Um, but a phenomenal athlete. He is great in the pocket. The one thing I'll say about Deshaun Watson, I wrote in my notes, needs to run more. I mean, he was such a good pocket quarterback and looking down the field and not feeling the rush yeah. that I honestly thought that he can – actually work on his ability to run and when to tuck it a little bit better in the NFL. Yeah. But man, all the attributes are there. He, he's 6'2". I was shocked that he was 6'2". He plays bigger than 6'2". He looks two like in he's 6'4". Exactly right. Uh, uh, Alex Hill, who has the strongest arm in the draft? 
Ooh, I think it's probably – listen, all these guys can really throw it. I think if – I mean, Kaiser's got a strong arm, but it might not hit the broad side of the barn at times. So mm. I have issues with Kaiser. I was not overly impressed. I think the strongest arms, if you just went flat out, let me just let see. Let me see who could throw it the furthest. Throw it the furthest. I would say it's going to be maybe Mahomes and Davis Webb. Really? Now, Watson and Trubisky aren't far behind. So there's not like – it's very close. Let's go into the one guy right. that we don't get, and apparently neither does Destin Adams. Why is there – any hype around Kaiser, I don't get it. But that's a very good question. Kaiser is, he is, uh, he's an urban legend right now. He's a scout's dream because he, look at him. He looks the part, right? He's exactly how you want your NFL starting quarterback to look, right? Just looks big, strong, nice Thick. pair of legs, right? Yeah. Looks everything you want in the pocket, all that. But. Uh, I, I, whoever our guy is that made that comment, Dustin Adams. Yeah, Dustin, you're you're Destin. on this. Destin, Destin, you're on to something. I mean, you saw the combine. I saw it too. I had to tweet out as I was watching it because I and couldn't take it tweet. anymore. I never tweet, but the the love affair of what he could be. I don't care what he could be. I need to see a little bit better of what he is right now and what he looked like at the combine. Just breaking that down real quick. I mean, the drops were horrible. They were all over the place. And man, he was six out of every ten. Against air. I don't know how – that's the first quarterback in the draft? Uh, no, sorry, Ghost Rider. The pattern's full. That's not first quarterback in the draft material. So mm. uh, he is very raw. And out of the six, the big six I've told you about, he's the least impressive thrower of the six. Mm. He scares me. Now, he could throw a great throw every now and then where you go, wow, that was – he, he laid into that. That was a 100-mile-per-hour fastball that painted the corner. Yeah. But then the next four throws after that, the ball doesn't get there. The ball sa- sails over the head. The ball's not even close to where the receiver can catch it. His mechanics are the most flawed out of the group. He's the least natural thrower of the main quarterback group we talk about. And that would be my concern. He could be something, but... We say that about a lot of guys all yeah. the time, oh, and it man. never really happens. Like, we talked about Tim Tebow learning how to throw a football for five years. No, it's not in him, and I'm just not sure it's in Kaiser to be a natural thrower. Uh, Jeff Marcus asks, is any quarterback a top five must draft? If Blake Bortles was a top three quarterback, then yes, these quarterbacks. Yeah, but hold on. Hold on. Right. For, <laughs> forget that. Okay. Forget that. If you were the GM and you needed a quarterback, like if you're sitting there and you're the Browns yes. and you're the yes. Niners. Yes, I would. I which, mean, you know, l- listen. If would you, need, you take a quarterback over Miles Garrett if you're the Browns? No, I would not. I so he not. is Miles Garrett is in the class so let's, of let's his own. Let's do a quick little big board. But so yeah. you have Miles Garrett one, right? And then the Niners are up next. Yes. Are you going somewhere else, or are these quarterbacks? I don't think they can afford to wait. I think they got to go quarterback unless they feel like they're going to get Kirk Cousins or something mm. like that along here. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you and know, are you, yeah. are you telling Kyle to go Trubisky or I Deshaun? probably would. I probably would tell him to go Trubisky. Why would you take Trubisky when Deshaun has a higher ceiling? I just think Trubisky is ready more right now, just from what I've seen on film. Now, again, the questions about lack of experience and all those things, but I just think Trubisky will have the least bit of learning curve to kind of get your a new coach off on the right How is the guy that only played for one year have less of a learning curve than the guy that's been in two national championships and tore up Alabama? I I, I I mean, didn't didn't we see this with Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, that Jared Goff would have a lesser learning curve because he played against, because Carson Wentz played against lesser competition? You know, people might have said that, but I didn't say that. You're talking more about what he's been asked to do. Right. And, and I never said that about I know, you. know, I know, I didn't I'm talking say, about yeah, the national, the national narrative. Right. Yeah. 
listen, those questions are valid, and those are the things that would scare me about Trubisky. So I totally, totally warrant it. But, yes, from what I've seen, and like I talked to you, it's more about Clemson's rawness, more, more say. Yes, Deshaun Watson could be the man, but I think in the perfect world, uh, yeah, I would maybe want a, him to be behind a veteran for a little bit or something mm. in that type of situation just for a year, uh, maybe half a year, yes. just so he can get his feet underneath him, get used to pl- calling plays in the huddle, get used to going through progressions. Where Trubisky, yes, it's not perfect, but I've seen more of it, and I've seen more consistent yes. pocket throwing than Watson. This is going to be the debate, yeah. and right now Stephen Fogg makes saying, no, Trubisky isn't better than Watson. Watson has the intangibles that we haven't seen. It's like this every year, I feel like. We always sure. have the, the upper guy versus the guy that hasn't played a lot. Yeah, and listen, it's, 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 a, it's really tough it's to evaluate. It's an interesting discussion this year, this quarterback class. In what way? It really is. Because I don't think anybody is just clearly better than the other. I can look at, if we gave off columns and we went through the list and we checked off, gotcha. like certain guys would be one and three and five and another guy might be two and four and yes. one. It could just be you all just know over. that Kaiser's not in there. I I know Kaiser's All right, so not tell in there. me about the Cal quarterback. Yeah, the Webb game. is interesting. I mean, Webb, one of the first things I wrote, I think, in my notes was, man, he looks like a better version of Jared Goff. Uh, now, again, it's back into the conversation of he's only played one year. Mm. I saw him in person when he was at Texas Tech, and he was kind of fighting for time with Baker Mayfield there early on in his career. Uh, first of all, his size is tremendous. Size is a skill. You always hear yes. me say that. The ability to be big, Tom Brady throwing in the pocket at 6'5 with people around him, and he could throw it 30 yards downfield. Peyton Manning was the same way. Exactly right. That's very Tyrod important. Tyrod Taylor, that's why a lot of teams don't want to make the move for Ex- him. Thank you very yes. much for putting that in perspective. And then people like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, what people don't realize is he's got like the biggest freaking hands ever. Yes. And he's, he's got special. amazing agility, <laughs> right. and he's just special. Right, exactly yeah. right. Drew Brees, special. Right, they're just rare guys that kind of debunk the right, normal pattern. Talk more pattern. about the web kid. But Webb, uh, first of all, I love his throwing motion. I think he probably does have the most powerful arm of the draft. And just listening to the guys at the combine, like you know, D- uh, David Carr yeah. was there. That group. It sounded like in person. Even Greg Olson. So I heard why him say is he not mentioned with these other top well, four guys? Well, I, I think I think he will get into the conversation. But again, I think it's the one year thing again that's going to yes. scare people. And uh, I think that's where it's interesting this year because you could see some really interesting second round quarterbacks. And Webb and Mahomes and that group, they yes. kind of fall into that mold. But mm. big arm, better athlete than I thought. Yeah. Pretty good in the pocket. And you know, when did, he wants to rip it, he can really rip it. What did you it. think of Mahomes this weekend? But Mahomes, uh, he didn't put on his best show, but I think anybody who watched it realistically, you go, huh, this kid is a little special throwing the ball. You heard, if you heard the guys mentioning it, I mean, like Carr again, Olsen talked about it. Yeah, uh, it just kind of pops. May, yeah, he can just, he's, he's, it's like the natural, the movie The Natural. It just doesn't matter. If he wants to throw it like here. And Kaiser he doesn't here, have that. Kaiser is, Kaiser is the same motion every time, and he gets no body involved. It's just an arm that and does who this. Is, who is this Pittsburgh quarterback? The Peterman kid. Now, he's really interesting. Peterman, Peterman I had heard about him. Uh... I will say this. I didn't really see anything of him all year in college football other than a little bit in the Clemson game, right? Bowl, apparently. The senior bowl, I saw that. Exactly right. But the combine, first of all, I thought he was probably the day's most consistent best thrower mm. of the day. Now, he, he's got a really good motion. If you watch him on film at Pitt, he wears number four. He really looks and plays just like a Derek Carr. Mm. He has, But he's, his arm is just not quite... 
If Derek Carr is a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, this kid's got like a 95. But it's the same motion. He could just flick it and do mm. things like that. It's a perfect spiral every time he throws it. Uh, so he is very interesting to me. I really like him. I really do. Even I watched him. It's I, interesting. We thought this yeah. was going to be a shallow quarterback crop. I don't think and that's it sounds the, like there's like a good six that could be in the first two rounds. Agreed. And, you know, there's other interesting guys, too. Like, I think Trevor Knight's going to be an interesting mm. mid-round pick. because some athlete. of his slants were awful. We're awful. I was sitting there, I get and it. I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like drinking coffee. I'm like, this kid can't throw it 15 nah, I yards. Know. Well, that's why he had to leave Oklahoma and go to that Texas A and M. Yes. Uh, we just got a question about the Washington State kids. Yeah. I, listen, I'm very, very raw with all those guys, so I can't give yeah. you anything as far as in-depth film room stuff yet. I will get there. Just stay patient with me. Who is the top running back on the board, and where do they go? Uh, well, I, I think the top running back on the board is Leonard Fournette. I mean, mm. to me. Um, that size-speed combination is its just rare. You don't see that many guys on planet Earth that can run were like that. Were you at all scared that his broad and his vertical were less than expected? Uh, a, a little bit. I, I, I will say that. I mean, that was a little disappointing. You know, I, I would like to know what he did training-wise. Uh, because he was I, also bigger than people expected. Yeah, he was at 240. I think he's Which one is of, so big to be running at a 4 5 one or whatever I, he ran. Yes, it is. And I think, uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed by that because when you watch him on film, I mean, he can cut and make put his foot in the ground and change yeah, direction. Yeah, 20 and a half inch vert. But, but yeah, the fact that he has a th- three-inch Less vert than Chris Sims right here. Uh, that does bother he me. He dropped a thirty-one. And I a think half. that was a thirty-one and a half. And he dropped right. twenty-eight and a half. Yes, right. So do you, you, you that four did. Uh, but a lot of people said after he ran that four-five-one, he checked at two forty that he was the top. He was a top-five pick. I would agree. I would agree. He's in the conversation. Like the Jets are number six. I think they're crazy if they don't look there. They need something uh, along these lines to hang their hat on offensively. Mm. He would be in that conversation to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just a freak show at that size. And I think, too, the other thing, the running back class is going to be interesting. I mean, it really is. All because, right, so let's get to the next one. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, people were seemingly disappointed uh, that he only did 10 bench reps. I was uh, – <laughs> Oh, that's in there. Oh, that's some form of material. Uh, four four eight's pretty good for a forty. I thought a thirty seven and a half inch vert and a hundred and twenty one inch broad, right. which is like 10, 10 foot one inches, is pretty good. Right. And his hands and drills were incredible. Incredible. Can he be a featured back? And where do you think he goes in the draft? Well, I, I do think he can. He's his vision be, is incredible. Yeah, he's a featured back. In the way of the modern age featured back, right? He's not going to be like... Connor Rogers says that he's more comparable to the Reggie Bush than people want to give him credit. No doubt about it. I mean, skin color certainly is affecting that that altogether because people just don't want to believe it. And me in general, you hear me say it all the time. You got a white running back, you're probably not very good. Did you know that the Houston Rockets have a rule that you have to compare... Uh, athletes to athletes of different races. Uh, so if it's like black, it. you can't compare them to a black guy. If it's white. <laughs> right. No, to get away from biases like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I get it. it but needs Christian to be McCaffrey, what, what did you see of him on uh, this weekend? I, I think the thing that – I'm not surprised by anything with Christian McCaffrey. You think he's a stud? I do think he's a stud, yes. And uh, I knew he was going to come in there and blow it away. First of all, I know his father. I look, look gr- we literally have so many Danny Woodhead comparisons yes. for Christian McCaffrey. He's better than – And he's so much more talented than Danny Woodhead. Exactly it's not right. even close. Yeah. Exactly right. And he's, a, and he's a bigger guy in general altogether. And I think his legit explosion is what jumped out to me. But uh, 
Uh, to me, there was a, there, here's a case between McCaffrey and Delvin Cook where I oh. think McCaffrey did this and Delvin Cook did this a little bit. That was really bad. I mean, Delvin other than, Cook was very disappointing. Yeah, I, I really feel like Delvin Cook and Fournette literally just said, I'm going to worry about my weight. And I'm worried about my 40, and I would be interested to know if they trained in the L, the 5105, or the vert, or do they just think I'm a freak of nature and I can go so do it? So Christian McCaffrey ran a 657, right. which is like the fastest yeah, three break this cone down. in right. like a decade. Right. Uh, and 657 is so freaking ridiculous. So three cone is up, back, around, and out, and it's supposed to show you agility, quickness. So when you see Julian Edelman cut, that's what the three cone shows. To run a 6.57, three cone is legitimately the one drill that I really put a lot of stock sure, into. Sure, at certain positions it should it's be. It's incredible. Yes. So then for Dalvin Cook to run a 7.27, I mean, there was defensive linemen that were running better than Dalvin uh, Cook. I'm sure. Again, Chris Sims beat him in that in that no. one. Yeah, I wow. did. Yeah, Dude, you're a freak. I think. Oh, I'm not a freak. No, <laughs> but I think what it shows you is yes, a lack of attention of detail there for Dalvin Cook. Now, listen, I don't really give a damn about Dalvin Cook's three cone drill. Let's just be real. I mean, we watch. Oh, no, there's a. Th- oh, there, there's a the three cone. So up your three cone drill. Every time I watch the guy, he makes nine guys miss. So uh, I, I, I'm not worried about his quickness and things like that. Yeah. This, these are guys that we have enough video evidence, him and Leonard Fournette, to go, I don't really give a damn what the clock says and things like that. They outrun people. They yes. make people miss. They run people over. But on the his lack of explosion maybe take him out of the first round? No, I don't think it'll take him out of the first round. But I think it's the things that will concern people with that is just they're going to – I think really the NFL will question – like, what has he been doing? Did he train mm. for these things? Does he really care about them? That's where you find out the pro day. That's where you're, you're exactly right. So I think those are the little issues there. But at the end of the day, his film is too impressive the for it to hurt The other running back that I made note of that I was in, insanely impressed with was Alvin Kamara out of Tennessee. Yeah. Came in at 214, run a 4.5640, so he's right in that range right. with a 39.5-inch vertical. And... Uh, 131, so a 10 foot 11 broad jump, and he's got a nice looking body. He's got a similar look to Dalvin Cook, no uh, but that one is one that when I talk to Connor, he goes, his tape is not nearly as impressive as right. the other guys, and that's why you can't overvalue this. But still, you look at those numbers and go, it's like some Tevin Coleman stuff. Exactly right. It's impressive, and not yeah. the speed, but no, but but still, yeah, it's still. Yeah, I mean, I look at this group and just go. Well, this is why you don't give Adrian Peterson a lot of money. Mm. Are you kidding me? Jamal Charles? Like, mm. you know, listen, I like those guys a lot. But, I mean, it's just they're growing on trees right now, running backs in the NFL. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, Kamara, he, for some reason, you're right. It's like the same size as Dalvin Cook, but looks like a bigger person yes. when I watch him. I mean, you got um, a kid out of Utah, Joe Williams. Yep. 5'11", 210. Mm-hmm. Who run a 4'4", a 35-inch vert with a 125-inch broad. Mm. Like, that's a big dude. Getting 35 inches and, and, and running a 4-4-1. Yeah. You know? I, I know. It's, uh, again, the running back class is is something that I came in today into the office here at Bleacher Report, and I was like, I'm excited to, like, break these guys down. Forget Fournette and Cook. I know yes. what they are. But this next group of guys, it seems deep. Uh, I, 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 they were definitely one of the most impressive groups, I thought, in the, the whole draft weekend. Them, uh, the tight ends. Let's get to that. Because I think the, the two groups have been running backs, defensive backs today, which I think are impressive. Right. And then tight ends. I think there's, like, four or five guys right now that you're, like, this is that new age, and I think it starts with O.J. Howard, who is so impressive, impressive physically mm-hmm. that people can't shut up about <laughs> how he looks like he's carved out of stone. Yeah. What did you think, Mr. Body? Uh, I mean, I didn't look re- like a young left. 
Rothko? I didn't really realize he was that put together. Really? I, I, for some reason, in the 88 here with the Alabama Alabama's foam, jersey, I found always to be deceiving. It does. It, you're, they're, they're one of those teams. Uh, freak show. I don't even know what else to say. I mean, it's, this is Brandon Marshall. I mean, forget tight end. I mean, this is like legit big-time wide receiver mm. who yet's going to be able to block a little bit from time to time as well. But, I mean, just between him, the kid from Iowa, Engram from Mississippi. Well, and keep talking about um, Howard. So, what kind of a pick do you go with Howard? I remember when Ebron came out. Is he a better prospect than Ebron? He's better than Ebron, yes. And, and he's in a better, more uh, versatile offense to yes. where you know he's going to be. I mean, everything I've seen on Howard, first of all, he's a very good route runner. 6 8 5 3 comes. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, he's going to be. inch for. Sticks his foot four, in the ground. Five, one, and he's 6 6 251. Yeah. What about him as a blocker? Uh, listen, I'll, I'll have a better in-depth okay. of you, but from what I've seen, just even like, you know, I, I've watched enough Alabama football over the years. He's like, I hate to even use this comparison. I'm going to use it just because I was around. Like Aaron Hernandez, the same kind of guy. Like it's it's the similar, similar body type. Are they blowing down defensive mm. linemen and linebackers out of the way? No, but they're assignment blockers. They get it done. It's not the most impressive thing, but, oh, you want me to secure the edge and not let the outside linebacker outside of me? Okay, I'm in his way, and he's not getting – I'm doing my job. I might not be doing it in flying colors, and I think that's what O.J. Howard is. Justin Perry says, Bama has worse jerseys than a community college rec team. <laughs> I'd argue that they're a staple of Americana, but I don't think it does. Like, I think the Patriots jerseys makes guys look smaller, Right, like, too. to me, with the O.J. Howard – conversation and, and again I'm, I know I'm keep qualifying myself here because I'm in such an early stage so I'm a little self-conscious of it myself but like if you're the if you're like the like the Los Angeles I mean not the, I was gonna say like the Rams teams like that um, te- I was looking at other teams maybe in the top what about 10. the Giants getting the a Giants tight end. yes that's certainly in the conversation Been looking for one for like a decade but I'm trying to find out so I was like if you're the Cleveland Browns at 12 are you thinking about OJ Howard yet I mean from that workout and what I've seen so far, I mean, yes, he's a middle-of-the-round, middle-first-round type talent it's at very, the position. Look, I love to talk about the evolution of positional importance, the but the Saints, tight, the tight end has gone 11. from a position five, six years ago that wasn't that big. And then with Gronk and Jimmy Graham and these double tight end sets, especially if they can block. The other guy that I think wild people, anytime you have a tight end run a 4-4-2, people are going to go, holy crap, yeah. Evan Ingram. Right. I already saw someone write in the comments section, he's a wide receiver at the next level. Right. Uh, it was, I can't even say Guru Prasad Ramprakash, book it, said that he's at wide receiver at the next level. Do you see Evan Ingram, a 4-4-2, 36-inch vert, 6'3", 234? Yeah. What, what it, physically, though? Yeah, I, I think realistically, like, listen, I get, a weapon, though. I, he is a weapon. He's going to be like a hybrid type of guy. Uh, he's Do you gonna, like him better or worse than Trey Burton? Ooh, that's exactly where I was going. So that's exactly that's the kind of player. Our brains. Well, he's a Trey Burton type of player. He's our guy. Um, what's the receiver? Um, uh, Quincy and Nunwa for yes. the New York Jets. Yes. He's the same type of guy. So yes, I mean our guy there that made the comment. He's exactly right. I think at the end of the day, he's more of a, certainly more of a pass catching tight end. But you're going to see him lined up at the tight end position at fullback as the second tight end off the ball at times at times. But guys that. Yeah, the NFL loves right now. There's what a about certain that place. Njoku kid in Miami. Uh, I mean, t- to me, I'm more, I'm about as excited to watch him as anybody there is because he looks like he's going to be the most well-rounded. But you're definitely putting Howard over Njoku. I, I, at this point, I think I am. But man, I'm, I mean, Jake Butt. Well, that's what I mean. Jake Bucky Butt Hodges didn't even work. from Virginia Tech. Yeah, Bucky Hodges.
Hodges. I mean, the kid from Nebraska was impressive looking. The, the kid Iowa from, kid, you said. The Iowa kid. The kid from Washington, Daryl Daniels. I mean, just watching it's Deshaun funny. Watson, the number 16, Leggett, Le- yeah. the tight end for Clemson. I mean, he looks like a good little player. It's a lot of depth so far, just to it's my really early It's funny eye. when you think about the tight end crop. I think it was two years ago, and you think of the Eric Ebron, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Jason Morrow. Yeah. And we were kind of going, these are the athletic tight ends, and none of them have panned out. No, they have not. None of them. No. Austin Safarian Jenkins is on a new team. So mm-hmm. is Jason Morrow. And Ebron was very good at catching six-yard balls, but we've never really seen him break any Not deep. like we did in the North Carolina. You're, You're right. Co- well, we. I mean – I think we put a little bit too much credit on that one play against Miami. Right down the middle. Yeah, that's what everyone loved to show her. Sure. But this is a whole crop of some really special kids. The one thing I think if we really looked at it too, I mean, the, the thing that I think bothers me about Eric Ebron, even to this day, and even looking back at it when I was, they were showing like little highlights of him in his combine, none of these kids look like Eric Ebron. They all are way better put together than Eric Ebron. Eric I Ebron look like has, I can beat Eric Ebron in a bench I, contest. Man, so I'll tell you that's, what. That's concerning. Eric Ebron end. in his jersey last year was sloppy. Yeah, he needs to get the gun show going. It's curls for the girls, tries yeah. for the guys. Yeah, I think that sometimes when you're naturally bigger than everybody, it sometimes you don't go to the weight room. No doubt. But you're not Warren Sapp. Right. Warren Sapp didn't go to the weight room because he is a once-in-a-generation athlete. <laughs> right. Go back to the Warren Sapp, Sims, and Lefko podcast and him talking about how he only did, like, ten bench presses right. and then he yelled at Tom Coughlin. It was so, so awesome. So, yeah, well, we should give up. Who was it? That, whoever it was, was that year did a ton. Some, some like, white guy did, like, like 30, 30 bench reps. And he goes, you go, turn on the, you go turn on the film and tell me who's stronger between that guy yeah, and who did guy. 30 bench reps between <laughs> the two. Uh, we're going to do a lot more on Sims and Lefko podcast with breaking down the draft and of course check out Nelson Miller and Felder when it comes to all the draft stuff but as he dives in we're going to be doing more and more watching film with you guys live and also breaking it down. Let's get into some free agency news and the first one that I want to talk about got people in a tizzy this morning. Mike Glennon could be getting paid $15 million a year. That was the rumor that came out this morning. And I'm just curious what your take is. The, the take that I predicted you would have would be, I look at my wife and I go, damn, honey, I wish I was the backup quarterback in the NFL right now. <laughs> yeah, I uh... predicted right now, Lock and Fora saying Bears, Rappaport saying Bears and Jets. I mean, that seems to be the only two teams that I would think of. And... <laughs> I have a hard time believing that number. Listen, I think that's agent propaganda in my eyes. No doubt about it. We saw it with Kenny Stills, too. Right. It comes from their camp to try and set the market. No doubt. There's no way anybody's going to give this guy $12 to $15 million, especially the Bears and the Jets, who are really probably more or less looking at Glennon as, man, let's let's get him as a one- or two-year holdover guy. If he blows us away, awesome. We got our quarterback. If not then we can either draft a quarterback this year Mm. or next year how we may see it. I mean, there's a lot of rumors here with the Jets in New York, especially, that they're going to semi-tank the year. They're they're tanking the year. They're going for quarterback next year Mm. already. They're not going to do it this year. They're going to set it up for next year. So then they're just going to fire their coach. So I guess so. I don't really know. But that is the rumor here in the New York area. Uh, If you are a playoff contending team and then two years later you're deciding to tank – 
you gots to go. Like, the GM <laughs> gots to go. So, I, like I, listen, you I don't did, know. Like you spent all that money on all these free agents, and yeah. it doesn't work. You gots to go. But I got a hard time thinking that'll be the number. Yeah, I um, think the issue is, is you got someone. Who do the Eagles pay all that money to? Kid Chase Daniels. Chase right. Daniels got in that, like, ten, what? He got, he got 10, maybe. To 11, 12 range. Right. And then you had the Nick Foles getting the 11, 12 he number. He got 10. Oh, he's it, making 10 this year. It's I know just that. interesting. You have this number, and then you combine it with, you know, the Cutler and the Andy Daltons and stuff at the 17s and 18s. Now you're seeing Kirk Cousins at the 24. It's all inching up. It's all going up, right. I mean, the the salary cap is at, what, $167 million. So, of course, quarterback, backup quarterback rate, has gone up, and do that's really. Do you think though that he could be? He's a starting level quarterback. You know, I do think he is a yes. I think this will be a. I'm going to be very interested to see how it plays out with Mike Glenn. Mm-hmm. And listen, I am. A, I was impressed with Mike Glenn in his rookie year. He should have never been benched by Lovey Smith for Josh McCown. Uh, huh. But yes, when I even watch him in preseason, he's definitely one of the best backups in football. He's been in a pro-style offense really his whole life. Whether it was in college, he was with Dana Bible, uh, who's a really good West Coast college OC. And now, of course, he's been in the NFL with Cutter and that, that whole group there. But, yeah, I think he's ready to go. And I do think he could be a guy that if the Jets or Bears got him and you go, wow, at the end of the year, he 30 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, you might have your yeah. guy. He's a good pocket passer, and he's got very good size. Charles Henderson brings up A.J. McCarron, who's a name that I'm not hearing anyone talk about, and I, I would rather pay A.J. McCarron 6 or 7 than Glennon 15. Yeah, A.J. McCarron showed some stuff. He did show some stuff. The, two years ago when Dalton got yeah. hurt, he certainly did. I, I mean, listen, I, I think that... You know, it always seems to be a personality issue with McCarron. I think there's no doubt about that. I think there were some red flags about him uh, when he was coming out of college. I think that was part of the issue. And, you know, his body's not the greatest. He doesn't wow you with his physical traits, but he is a good – He's, he's got all the traits to be a solid, good pocket passer. Yes. Now, I don't think he's as good a thrower as a Glennon in that, that group. Like, uh, I think Glennon is physically a little bit better. But uh, I think when I look at A.J. McCarron, he's one of those guys that teams are going to figure out what they want to do with him as they get a better hold of these quarterbacks in the draft, yes. too. So he might not get signed for another few weeks in free agency. Um, and we also – people say, hey, well, he, maybe because he went to Alabama, too. Well, um, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, so, uh, tamp- legal tampering starts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Free agency starts on Thursday. Yep. I love this story with Jerry Jones and Romo saying yeah. he's not going to Washington because, quote, we do the do-right rule. We have that kind of relationship. He's going to do right by me. I'm going to do right by him. Yep. Not going to have Romo going to a team in the division. Right. Not going to be it. Right. Uh, Romo, I, I, I think I just got a team stream alert, too, saying Texans and Broncos. That seems the only two places where it's going. Huh? Wow, so they're saying the Chiefs are going to be out of it? The Chiefs are going to go. Let me see what this alert was yeah. again. Uh, Romo consistently linked to Broncos and Texans by coaches and execs at Combine. Huh. I'll be interested to see the Broncos thing. That'll be really interesting. Um, you know, I think the interesting thing here, too, with Romo, especially his contract details right now. Like, So if you trade for him... You're going you're gonna to have to have, I guess, in good faith if you traded for him to where you'd probably have to ask him to renegotiate his contract for would, a lesser would, number, right? It would be right? a renegotiated contract. Right. It would be a conditional draft pick likely based on playing time. Because they can't cut him, can they? That's the thing I look at. I'm going to look this up right now. They would I, only save $5 million by cutting and him. And how much and dead that, money? And have $19 million in dead money. They're exactly which right. Which then brings you to the question, why not have a solid backup for Dak Prescott if you believe you're still in the window? Right. Which with that age group, you would still be in the window. Yeah. The question is, is what do you need to pull in 
to to I guess make it worth it because we talked about before having a backup quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo with the Patriots is very important yeah. when you're in that Super Bowl window it is um with this scenario, listen, I don't think he can command a huge type of trade market because, first of all, his age, his injuries, and then that number we just talked about. I mean, the amount of money he is set to make uh, lessens the value as far as what Dallas can expect back because mm. you're doing Dallas a favor at the end of the day. Oh, you're taking $25 million off our, yeah. our, our bucks? Great, great. So that is the big thing. I'm going to pull up the Cowboys' um, total total. They're okay. They're always towards the bottom. They're always 19.6 million and dead cap if they cut him. So, yes, they're going to have to find a trade, good faith, and he's going to have to renegotiate his contract. I still think Kansas City's in the mix. I don't know how Kansas City can look at that divisional playoff game on film and go, oh, we're going to go to the Super Bowl one day with Alex Smith. That should have solidified it in stone for you. Speaking of trades, the uh, the biggest named player that's up for trades, by the way, I was reading uh, something on The Ringer talking about how with all this cap and with a lot of free agents coming off the boards, you might see a lot more trades happen this offseason because teams are more than willing to take on these big figures huh. from established players, sure. which I think is a great thought process. Right. One of them being being Brandon Cooks. 23-year-old receiver. He's played three years in the league. He has more than 2,300 yards in the last two years. Uh, was a first-round pick. Patriots reportedly offered the, the 32nd pick in the draft, and they turned it down. Yeah. So the, the Saints are looking for a first-round pick. I have seen some people come out, I believe it was Andrew Brand of ESPN, saying, what do the Saints know that we don't know? Maybe there's something wrong here. I think this has been going on to the middle of the year. I think Brandon Cooks is a number one receiver. He wants to be paid like a number one receiver. He realizes he's playing for a team that shares the ball around and he'll never be the featured guy. And I think he also knows that they're owned by Tom Benson, who made his money from used car dealerships and doesn't put in any money unless you're a quarterback named Drew Brees. That is how they've operated. Jimmy Graham, not going to pay you, going to ship you out for Max Unger. The only guy they've paid is Jarris Bird, and that was a bad deal, and he wasn't on their team. So the Saints, even Marcus Colston did didn't get a lot of money when he was up for money. Right. Would you trade so that the two big teams, Titans and Eagles, are the other ones linked to it? Right. I know the Eagles are 14 because I'm an Eagles fan. I forget the Tennessee Titans, but I know that they have a high pick and then a middle round pick, like 17 or something like that. Yeah, Tennessee's at five. Five and 18? They have two. Yeah. Yeah, they got the thing from the Rams trade. Yeah, so it's like 18 or something like that. Would you trade the 14th or the 18th pick for Brandon Cooks? I probably, if I was in desperate need, like if I'm the Tennessee Titans at 18, uh, yeah, I would certainly Especially think about that. Especially because you got the fifth one. Well, and, you know, this is not the greatest receiving group ever coming out this year, so you're not assured you're going to get maybe one of the guys you like. And you know what this kid is. This kid is a number one receiver. Now, look, you know Sean Payton. This goes back to one thing. It goes back to Brandon Cooks complaining after mm. he didn't get targets one week when the week before he got targeted like 11 times. And then they went one week where he never got a Does that ball. make you upset? Well, uh, as I think. As an Italian evaluator? I think as a. Yeah, it, bo- it does bother me a little bit. I think what, I'm just more like, didn't he know who his head coach was to mm. make those comments? Sean Payton. I mean, Sean Payton's the kind of guy that, like, you drop a ball in the fourth quarter, he really has to be talked out of not cutting you on the way to the like the bus after the game. He wants to, like, let All your. Right, so that's a unique situation. So, right. But let's say you're the Eagles. Yeah. 14th, 15th pick in the draft. 14th pick in the draft. 
And you have Jordan Matthews. You have really no other wide receiver. He'd of be note perfect your team. fit for Tennessee or your Philadelphia. Would you Eagles? give up the 14th pick in the draft for Brandon Cooks? It, Do you all, think there's a wide receivers in this draft if you want a wide receiver at 14 that you'd have to get? Because that's what you have to ask yourself if you're exactly right. That's where it's going to go. If you want a wide receiver, mm-hmm. are you going to take maybe Mike Williams, who's 6'4 and falls to you already, 14? You already have enough Mike Williams types on your team. Okay. So for your certain situation, no, I don't mess with that. I don't. I want it. I would rather have the Brandon Cooks. Mm. Let's trade that, that 14th pick, and we'll go get him. If you're totally set... And that's what you want to do at 14. You want to find another weapon for Carson Wentz. Would you do it? Then trade it. Okay, so my my second question, by the way, this one is for uh, Tony Lamar Fuller. Fly, Eagles, fly. He says, I never rep the squad. I'll rep it right now. He's wearing green today. Yeah. Uh, The other question is, is he wants to be paid like a top receiver. Yeah. Would you pay Brandon Cooks like a top receiver? Well, yeah, he's definitely a... Are you giving him close to that Antonio Brown? No, I'm not giving him close to the Antonio Brown. Because that's the problem. You bring him in for one year, and then he's sitting there and he's going, oh, I'm going to leave because I'm trying to get that. Well, they can give him a contract. It doesn't have to be Antonio Brown. What was Antonio Brown's final average? You remember? I I think it was $17 That's what I mean. No, he's going to be, to me, Brandon Cooks. You get traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to get a contract somewhere that'll be like what Kenny Stills was trying to say. He 14, might be worth 15. 13, 14, maybe 15 if they're really generous. But I think realistically, it's really 12 to 14, somewhere in that range a year. It's going to be more than enough compensation. Yeah. yeah, he's done good things. Yes, he's been on some good offenses. Is he Antonio Brown? Mm. No, I'm not ready to go ahead and say that. Uh, J.R. Santos is asking, would you flip Garoppolo for Cooks? Would I flip Garoppolo the for Cooks? Ooh. Well. Because you know the Saints are looking I would not. For if I'm the Patriots, I would not. Okay. I really would not. You know, Listen, I understand. The Patriots, I do think, are going to be in the market for a legit speed guy on the outside this year. That's why you're hearing the, the Cooks conversation, because of the, how well Brady threw the ball outside the numbers the last two years. So they're going to do that. But, um, no, I don't think I would do it, first of all, because you've got a lot of players on their team already similar to a Cooks. Uh, and I'm not giving away Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, who's my insurance policy in case Brady gets hurt, okay. unless it's really something I really, really want. Kat, I'm going to rip through some Facebook questions. The ones you got on the right right now are fine. They're perfect. Um, let me see what else we got here. Uh, Corey Foreman, is Brandon Marshall going to Steelers Nation or not, Chris? You're friends with him. Well, yeah, I haven't talked to him yet. Now, Brandon Marshall, I can't tell you everything that me and him talk about, but, man, does he text me a lot and ask me about quarterbacks and teams' offenses. So, you he know. He likes to ask you that. He, we, we have a long history of that, yes, So who are always. your favorite teams with quarterbacks and offenses for a guy <laughs> of the skill set of Brandon Marshall, uh, I think Pittsburgh would certainly be in the conversation for a Brandon Marshall. And he probably wants to go to a team that can win, too. No doubt about it. But I don't know. It's Pittsburgh. Gonna, Patriots? Yeah, he's from Pittsburgh area. That's where the other connection is That's there. the thing about Calais Campbell. So, I didn't realize Calais Campbell's from Denver. Exactly and that's right. why he's so high on the uh-huh. Denver list. Yeah, it's, it's very Wait, interesting. Players Den- think about going. Mike Kliss of, um, I think it was KUSA or whatever, or whatever, some TV station that he was always tuned in, yeah. says he's high on Denver's list because he's from Denver. Why does that matter to the franchise? Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't matter necessarily to the franchise. The franchise, in Denver's case, is going to go, oh, well, okay, he, we need a huge he defensive wants line. and he wants to be here. That's always fun for a GM sure. or a coach. Wow, he'd like to come play for and us. And you also know that the he fan wants base to be happy is going to like living here. Right, exactly right. So, 
all those things. Uh, yeah, I mean, th that does mean something to a team, especially as long as the character checks out, right? Because you got to be and a little Calais careful. Has great character. He's got great character. So that would make sense to me. What was the other thing we were talking about right before that? Uh, we were talking about hometowns. We were talking oh, about. Uh, Bre yeah, Brendan Marshall. Yes. Listen, if you gave me two teams that I think I'll be really. Uh, I think New England would be legitimately interested in, but the thing that people are forgetting about New England is Josh McDaniels and Brandon Marshall. Oh, yeah. All through 2009, I was there in person. There was issues between them. Now, Brandon Marshall is a totally different guy right now, but can, Bra can, but can uh, Josh McDaniels shut that off in Lucas his head? Lucas Zeigler says, what about the, the Ravens? There was I really. Was I think Lucas the Ravens. Way to nail it, dude. I think the Ravens are the team to watch out for. Yes, I mean he is perfect uh, along the alongside the other receivers they got. They still got Wallace, right? So you got a speed guy, and then you got B Marsh, who still can run pretty good, but not not going to scare you with his vertical speed. Yeah. But then a guy like with him with Flacco with the back shoulder throws, all those things, mm. and really the one thing that gets undervalued with Brandon Marshall is he's at this point of his career. He's almost semi-slot receiver, too. Man, can he really run routes and stick his foot in the ground? So he's kind of a double-edged sword, that guy. You don't just put him outside and go, oh, we're going to let you outside. He can do some of the inside work for you, too. Kat, scroll up real quick to the top of the page. Uh, let me just see if we have anything else up there. Or, oh, oop, oh dip, perfect. Oop, oop. Oh, no worries. Uh, and then, all right, I'm going to ask a selfish one. Luis Rivera is asking about the Eagles. My question for you would be, their corners suck and their wide receivers suck. When you have a draft that's very deep in corners, do you then try and get them in the second and third rounds, or do you try and take that stud in the first round, or do you try and take that wide receiver in the first round? How do you attack that? Well, again, those are it's a broad question, but it's all going to be more or less, first of all, it's going to go back to your scouting department more than anything, mm. right? Your GM, your coach, they're going to value. They're going to have a board of going, okay, here's our top ten corners coming out in the draft. These are the guys we like that think will go in rounds one through three. And here's, like, the top ten corners in free agency. And they're going to have to value them together a little bit to see which one they like there. Um what was your exact question there as far as you just said? Would you go corner or wide receiver as a bigger need for the Eagles? I think corner is. Mm. Yeah. I mean, wide receiver, it's not great, but it's not the worst I've seen in football. Yeah, you don't have a guy that scares you, but you still got a lot of quality. Like, I, I, I still you think have, You think Brandon Marshall could stay in New York and go to the Giants? I think that really, in my heart of hearts, that's probably what I think he would want to do. Stay in New York. I think so. I mean, he listen, he likes New York City. He, uh, of course, has made a name for himself in the media. And he's very close with Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. The Giants might actually like him being there to tutelage Odell Beckham Jr. I a little bit. I think he would give him a little guidance. And I think there is certainly something there to that, yes. Tristan Stewart, should the Falcons grab a tight end, their offense would be scary with another weapon. Yes, tight end is certainly a big need for them, no doubt about it. They need another guy. But, again, at what point are we going to draft him? There's that Falcons yeah. team, you know, they're on that cusp of needing some difference maker defensive linemen still probably need to start upgrading that offensive line. They're in an interesting position. All right, last two. We'll yeah. make them quick. Uh, Tyrod Taylor Michael Alvarado asks, the rumors were that the Browns were interested in him. Yeah. And you said last week that they wouldn't be. What do you think? Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know what to say about this. You know my thoughts on Tyrod Taylor. Um, 
I don't, I, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to know what Hugh Jackson is really thinking as far as the future of his franchise and where he'd like to go with this. I, I was a little shocked to hear that he liked Tyrod Taylor. Not the shock that he, like, he likes his talent, because I see talent too, but I just don't think Tyrod's a starting NFL quarterback at the end of the day. I really don't. And Hugh uh, has historically likened the big prototype yes. type of pocket passer. East Elliott calling you out. By the way, Sims, you ran a 7-3-8 and a 3-cone. Dalvin oh, Cook had you on that one. Damn, okay, good call. Uh, I, the I only other sure. one I saw in there was yeah. Andy Cahill, uh, which asked about, do the Giants draft a quarterback to develop under Eli. I think it's, I talked to someone on the Giants yeah. who said part of the love <laughs> affair with Nassib right. has been he's a monster in the meeting room. Right. Like when it comes to like remembering plays or all that stuff. Whoa. I'm just telling you why. I, I've heard the, the same thing. I know. Well, of course you, know, you have. Monster I, in the meeting. Oh, my gosh. So <sighs> when Sunday he can go up there and draw on the board and not throw to Odell Beckham. We can have so him So do you the think meet- maybe they take one of these quarterbacks? And, and how early do you take a quarterback? Do, do we take wide receivers because they're Stop. awesome so do you taping t- their ankles in the so locker do you room take, before the game? Do you take one of these? Do you take a second-round quarterback? I would think about it if really? there's one there that if I like. one of your six guys, the Peterman kid, the Webb kid. Man, the Webb kid would probably be right up the Giants' alley. I mean, really. Size, arm, big mm. hands. We'll be able to throw in the elements. Sometimes, you know, when you talk about something and you're like, this feels very fortuitous and I feel like it's going to happen. Yeah. I, f- I feel like it could happen. I think it's I feel I like mean, that web second rounder the I Giants think realistically, could be a thing. if we, and you and I, and I know we said this during the year, I mean, realistically, I think we all forget because Eli played really well in the, in the wild card game against the Green Bay Packers. Yes, how bad he was down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely somewhere between 22 and 32 yes. as far as the top 32 uh, quarterbacks. This is this legitimately year. the last thing, right. Canvasser. Mike Ty, because this is a an ongoing internet debate. Why don't you think Tyrod Taylor is a starter of the NFL will end with this? Well, I, listen, he's got, to me, at the end of the day, the game is won in one area, in the pocket, right? At the end of the day, that's where I see it. I don't really care what team it is, who it is. Uh, it's going to be about your ability to stay in the pocket, make throws within the pocket, and make clear decisions within the pocket as well. Yes, scrambling is fine, and it'll make some plays and, and buy some time at times a la Aaron Rodgers and all of that. But at the end of the day, when you really break down a Tyrod Taylor, um, when he plays really good defenses, very rarely is he successful. He was a little bit better within the pocket this year, but it's still limited. And when he's in the pocket, the ball is always going outside the numbers, a fade down the outside. You can't ever really see the middle of the field. And if you're not really wide, wide open, he won't throw the ball because he looks to scramble and get outside the pocket. So, listen, I'm sure there's teams out there that like him, but for me, he would never be my starting quarterback. He'd be a great guy to be my backup and maybe hold me over for three or four games when the starters hurt. He is exciting. And I think about like the Jets game. He did all of his damage while rolling out no and throwing the ball downfield. He's exceptionally talented. Yeah. It just depends on the scheme. And you really need to develop a scheme for him to be very effective. Size is a skill. And if I just showed you how many completions he turns down every game because he can't see the guy over the middle or he's too scared to throw it down the middle – because he's not confident in what he's seeing because he's undersized. Uh, those are the things that, that bother me. Yeah. yeah. It, and then Mike Ty's follow-up was, so from what he did for Buffalo, that's not good enough. 
Listen, it, it was good. He's, I mean, he can get twelve million dollars as a backup. But no, I don't. I'm, if I'm like the Cleveland Browns, I'm not going. Man, we got to get Tyrod in here. We're going to clear up our organization. No, I don't. That, I don't view it that yeah, way. Unless he wants to be the holdover. Right. Uh, we are going to be back on Thursday, right when the new league year starts, and that will be all when all the free agent craziness is going on. And we are going to be breaking it all down, seeing where people go. We're going to lock Sims in a room. He's going to watch more combine tape. Yep. He's already ready to go on the free agency. So you're going to watch more film. I need you. I need you big time. Okay, kid. Always a pleasure. Guys, thanks so much. Awesome questions today. You guys have been great. In about like 30 minutes, we're doing video game simulations. Cavaliers versus the Heat with uh, a trick shot guy and a video game star. I don't know. It's going to be dope. (laughs) We'll see you then. Have a good day. Peace out, homies.